0: Welcome to Seize Your Midlife, the podcast exclusively for midlife women. I'm your host, Bree Schumacher. We are going to dive into all the things from health and hormones to beauty and wellness. We'll be asking the question, what's my midlife purpose? And what am I gonna do with the rest of my life? We'll also be interviewing women who've taken leaps or made U-turns in midlife. This conversation is going to be engaging, sometimes educational, a little bit funny, and always real. It is my sincere hope that you find your midlife purpose and lead your most fulfilling life. So join us on this journey to seize your midlife. Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Seize Your Midlife. I am so glad that you are here. And I'm especially excited this morning because my interview is going to make you want to go grab your swimsuit and your flip-flops. It is all the sunshine. So I have always said that social media is a blessing and a curse. And I'm going to guess that most of you feel the same way about that. But in the way that it connects us and reconnects us with people is pretty darn amazing. I grew up in a small town outside of Chicago called Lyle, Illinois. And my best friend in childhood's name was Rosie. Rosie Caliendo. And Rosie's older sister, Kristen, is my guest today, Kristen Colliendo. And I'm so excited to have Kristen here because when I was a junior in high school, my family moved from Illinois to Wisconsin, and I have not seen Kristen yet since that time. However, through the power of Instagram, I have been able to watch her life and her story. And she has a really unique path. And I just knew you would all want to hear about it. But I'm not going to give any more away in this intro because I want Kristen to tell her
1: own story. So welcome to the show, Kristen. Thank you, Brie. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me on.
0: Yay. Well, let's just dive right into it. I know this is the only place that it's appropriate to ask this question, but how old are you?
1: I am 49, which is hard to believe. (laughs) Um, But yes, I'm 49 years old. I'm going to be 50 later this year.
0: Well, you know what? You still have your little bit of your 40s, and I've actually heard that things get better in your 50s because, believe it or not, 45 is supposed to be the least
1: happy year of a woman's life. I did not know that. Well, thank you for the encouragement.
0: (laughs) So there, I mean, there is something positive about turning 50, right?
1: I have heard that as well. So I am looking forward to that decade.
0: Well, good. Okay. So where are you right now?
1: Right now, I am staying with one of my sisters. I have two sisters. I am in Franklin, Tennessee, visiting family and working while I'm here. We have my dad and stepmom coming down tomorrow, which is very exciting. So we're going to have the whole family here. My sisters both relocated to Franklin recently from uh, the Chicago suburb area.
0: And Franklin is outside of Nashville, right?
1: Yes, it's about thirty to forty minutes outside of Nashville. Beautiful area, just very homey, very nice people, very cute town. I love it here.
0: Ah, but Franklin is not where you live. Can you tell everybody where you live?
1: I live in Tulum, Mexico. I have lived there since January of 2020, right before the pandemic.
0: Oh my gosh. And
1: I absolutely love it. It's really just paradise there.
0: Well, there is a long winding story of how you got to Tulum, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. Very unique, interesting story on how I ended up there.
0: Well, let's just dive into. All the things that led you to living in paradise, because I think that there's probably not a person listening that has had a dream about packing up all their stuff and moving to a tropical paradise. I think that's everyone's dream, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That was my dream at one point. Yeah, now I'm there.
0: That's amazing. Okay, so after some time in college, you told me you worked in commodities and then finally you landed into the mortgage industry. Why don't you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yes. So I was in college and was studying um, finance and economics and very interested in um, the stock market and trading. So yes, I was in commodities for a while. After Depaul, and then I had some friends in the mortgage industry, and it was just such a, a growing industry at the time. So I actually found myself leaving commodities and working in the mortgage industry, and actually um, worked with my sister for a while, Rosie, who <laughs> you, you know mm. um, very well. And yeah, that's um, I've been in the mortgage industry for years and years and years, and it's definitely gone through quite a bit of changes company that I'm with now. I've been with it'll be 10 years in June and it's allowed me a lot of flexibility, which is really great. You know, I love what I do. I've been doing it for a long time and the company that I work for is wonderful. So yes, it's been great. It's been amazing being able to have the flexibility to do what I'm doing. I'm very thankful for that.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't an immediate thing. You know, I think COVID helped with, uh, you know, everybody moving to remote work. Primarily, I was actually doing that before COVID, so I you know was used to that remote um, job for a while.
0: Right, yeah. Well, and we are going to talk about how you ended up using that to your advantage to be able to end up in Mexico. But I want to kind of start more from the beginning. So you mentioned to me that you know you've been in long term relationships, but that you never you never have been married. And that has really allowed travel to be a really big part of your life. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that passion for travel and especially how you started to travel on your own as a solo traveler?
1: Yeah. I mean, I've always been um, fascinated with travel since I was a young girl. I remember my first airplane trip. I was (laughs) so excited. And I think, you know, just from that point on, I always had the dream of being able to travel and explore unique, interesting places. And, you know, I actually really started focusing on, on traveling more when I was in my 30s. I did travel when I was in my 20s with my sisters, with my family, with some friends, but I didn't embark on any solo trips until I was in my 30s. And it was actually really exhilarating and exciting. I feel like I wasn't actually too scared to do it. Once I did my first solo trip, it really, I feel like, opened the door for me to have the confidence to do more and do more exciting, like longer trips on a solo basis.
0: So I have been watching over the years, obviously, all these travel influencers and people going on trips Mm -hmm. by themselves. And the word exhilarating is literally the word that I would think. But also there's got to be some nerves in that very first trip. So what was that first trip? Where did you go? And how did you feel going into it?
1: Yeah. I mean, I actually went to New York, actually. Um, I love New York. I had been there before, but I had not been there for a number of years. And it was a post-birthday trip. And I, I had a couple of friends that I knew out there, but really, it was really my first solo trip. Quick, you know, three-day weekend trip. It was a little nerve-wracking because I had never been to New York on a solo trip before. And of course, it's such a big city. I navigated using the subway and everything, and, and, you know, it was fine once I got there. I felt pretty confident. You know, living in Chicago, I think it was, you know, not that big of a stretch. So I think that was a good solo trip, actually.
0: And then you went to Europe by yourself, right?
1: I did, yeah. So the next big solo trip that I embarked on was um, Paris. I went to Paris um, for three days on my own. Didn't know the language, didn't really know you know, exactly where I was going to go as far as like sightseeing. I had some landmarks that I wanted to see, of course, the major ones, but it it was just very exciting getting there and just kind of having, you know, my whole day, my first day to myself, being able to kind of just explore and just, you know, navigate the city, use the metro that was exciting. I mean, just being there was just amazing. You know, it's not, The same as seeing somebody's videos or pictures when you're there, it's just such a different experience.
0: Right. And I imagine that there's a unique perspective being there on your own as well.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I actually, you know, I was posting on Instagram. It's like you said, social media is so great in this way. Um, I had a friend that I briefly knew through mutual friends from Chicago that was in Paris. And then we actually ended up going out to dinner while he was there. And my friend was there solo as well. So that was really interesting how that all worked out.
0: That's awesome. And I am sure there are some women that are going to be listening that have always dreamed about going on a trip by themselves, but they just feel too afraid. What would you tell them?
1: I, you know, I would just say to go for it, because once you do it, it's such a wonderful experience and just such a great feeling. And that's my perspective. It was like, you know, just, you know, such um, an exciting trip. And it just kind of led me to want to do more. Like, I, I definitely gained a lot of confidence doing so. And I think, you know, it's just the first step is the hardest to just take that plunge. But I think, you know, most women, once they do, they'll, you know, it'll open up a lot of doors.
0: Yeah. And I imagine that there's a sense of empowerment where you feel like, okay, look at me, I'm brave and I'm strong and all the things.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. It's very empowering. And you do, you know, you just gain so much, um, so many different perspectives. Just doing it solo, you know, rather than doing it with a group or like a tour, or even like you know something like that. I mean, that might be a good way too for somebody to get into solo travel. Going with a group, you know, if they're hesitant to go on their own, and I think that would maybe. Even oh, that's help. a
0: great piece of advice. Um,
1: like leading up to the next, you know, step where you do your own solo yes. trip. Yes,
0: yeah, like G tours or or something like that. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I personally have not done that. I've just kind of done my own thing. You know, I do a lot of research too before I go on a trip. So I do have lots of notes, lots of, you know, things that I want to possibly go see and do. I do research on restaurants and I like to definitely go and find local places rather than more touristy spots. Um, I just think that gives you a better experience.
0: Absolutely. Yes. Okay, so it sounded like to me that you were kind of living your best life. You were living on Lakeshore Drive in the Gold Coast in Chicago, which if you're listening and you've never been to Chicago, this is one of the most fabulous parts of Chicago. You were successful in your business. You were close with your sisters who lived nearby. And things were really going well when you got some really, really hard news about your mom. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yes, we um, found out my mom was diagnosed with um, uterine cancer, and it was a very rare form and very aggressive. So it was very shocking to get that news. My mom was very healthy, not on any medication. She was in her early 70s when she was diagnosed so it was a big shock to our whole family and yes we we're my sisters and I are very close you know with each other and we were very close with my mom. She lived in California and we would see her very often. She would come in and stay for you know two two weeks to a month each time she would visit and we would go out and visit her in California. Yeah, it was just a big shock. We you know kind of were just hit with that. Um, after we got back from our first trip to Italy, one of my sisters, Lauren and I went with her to Italy and had a wonderful trip. And when we got back, that's kind of when that happened. So yeah, it was a hard time for all of us. We were able to go back and take her back to Italy with her best friend, and which was such an amazing experience. She was, you know, doing pretty well for a while. So she had a pretty good year, actually, that first year after she was diagnosed. And then later, um, around the holidays, we had gone to Italy in September, and around the holidays is when we got some really bad news as far as her treatment and her cancer. It was actually spreading. She had to actually do um, radiation treatment. So... It was definitely a difficult time. She came to stay with us in Elmhurst, a suburb of Chicago, and lived the rest of her time with us and we were surrounded by her family, which honestly was you know, the best thing that we could have asked for to have all that time together.
0: Yeah, I, kn- I know that was such a hard time, and I know you were all so close to your mom. And what year was this when all of this was happening?
1: It happened in 2018 um when things progressed it was right before the holidays we actually all went to california to be with her for christmas that year because she had just gotten you know the the news that she was going to have to do some radiation treatment cuz it had spread and you know then she passed uh, april 11th of 2019 so it wasn't a long time after you know, we we had found out that it had progressed.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I know you talked about just this deep sadness you felt. And you decide that you want to go and try to heal. And where did you decide to go at that
1: time? Yes. You know, I had taken a little bit of time off of work while this all happened. And it was just a long, you know, few months, very intense being with my family and dealing with that. So I just wanted to go somewhere for even just a week and just lay on a beach and just kind of just heal, like you said, and just have that time to myself. Before I returned to work. And my sister, Lauren, and my brother in law, Justin, had recently gone at that point to Tulum and came back and showed my mom and I videos and just told us how wonderful it was there. And I just started thinking about maybe just heading there just for a week. And that's kind of how I was led there originally. So that's where I went. And I spent Easter with my family and then left the next morning.
0: And what was that time like there for you?
1: It was extremely healing. I mean, just getting there when I saw the water, just, you know, just entering the Tulum Beach area, seeing the water, getting settled in my little villa. And going to the beach for the first time was just just so soothing and healing, just being by that water. And my mom was a huge beach person. She loved the beach. She loved the water. She wasn't a huge swimmer, but she just loved being by the water. She was from Miami, so she was used to growing up in a warm climate too. So I think I definitely took after her in that regard. And just being there was just so healing. You know, I I felt her presence with me there.
0: I believe it. There is something very powerful about the ocean that kind of, I think, connects you, Mm -hmm. connects you with God, connects you with all the things. So I can imagine that. So while you're in Tulum, you're falling in love with it and you're staying at an Airbnb. And you mentioned to me that you kept extending your stay. So what was that like?
1: Well, I actually had gone there in April and then I went back a few months later because I just felt like I just needed to go back there. The time that I spent the first time was just not enough. It was just pulling me back.
0: <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> in October, it was around the six month mark, actually, after my mom had passed, and you know I just kind of felt a little bit of anxiety. Just it was just a you know still a healing time. Grief, you know, is a process, so I was just feeling it quite a bit at that point and just wanted to go back. I was not super busy with work, so I was able to get away. So I went down in October and yeah, I just, I stayed at a little Airbnb across from the beach and I did extend my trip twice and Mm -hmm. I just didn't want to (laughs) leave. It was, it was just wonderful being there. It was low season. So I was meeting really wonderful people, locals, expats that had moved there from the States. And that's kind of how It all started.
0: And you had mentioned to me that you, you know, through your Airbnb experience, you had met this couple and you were like, oh my gosh, wow, they're doing this. You know, I need to find out more. So at that point when you're like, okay, I'm gathered all the information. What now? What did you do next?
1: I met a couple from San Francisco and started talking with them about where they lived in the town, you know, what they paid in rent, all sorts of things like that. And that kind of sparked uh, an idea in me to go there for the winter. Yeah, so I actually, while I was there, I I found um, a few places, apartments in town. And I actually went to see them while I was there before I left to come home. And I found a place and just really thought that that would be the place for me. I definitely wanted a place with a pool and it did. It was brand new, actually. We were building in a really nice, quiet area, very close to the beach, which is what I wanted. So my whole idea was to go there for six months and do a six-month lease and be there through the winter months and just kind of see how I liked it. And I got back home and you know decided to go for it. I talked with my family and they thought it was, you know, a great idea. My my dad wasn't on board as much as my sisters. My sisters were very supportive. My dad it took a while for him to come around. You know, it was just, I think just a big shock for him. So what I did was I ended up deciding to go a completely different route. I ended up giving up my apartment in the city in Chicago. I loved it down there, but I was kind of ready for a change at that point. And my sisters were very supportive in that decision. And I put all my stuff in storage and just went down there with an open mind and really just wanted to experience living there. And, you know, it was kind of a trial basis to see how I liked living down there because it's definitely a different experience living there on a day-to-day basis and working as opposed to being there on vacation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and first of all, let's just pause and take a minute that that's the dream, right? Like put all your stuff in storage, move to the beach, right? Like I feel like there's memes (laughs) that are like created over that.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. I love that.
0: So you put all your stuff in storage. You head down to Tulum. You're like about to step into your dreams and you're there not that long when rumblings of the pandemic start coming up. What was that like?
1: Yeah, it was very um, scary because I actually had come back for a visit in February. It was very quick. I already had a trip planned. I went to Barcelona, actually. I had that planned. So I I went back to see family. Went to Barcelona in mid-February went back to Tulum with a friend and she came for a visit. And right when she went back, it was like first week of March, actually. And then the following week, um, they were doing pretty much lockdowns in the States. So it got very scary to be down there by myself. You know, I had met some friends, but again, I was there by myself, really. So I you know, didn't know if I should stay and kind of wait it out, but things were getting pretty serious. We didn't really know much about the virus and and what, you know, was involved, how dangerous it was. So it was a little bit scary. So I decided to head back and stay with my sister uh, at the end of March because I didn't know what was going to happen if I was going to be stranded in Mexico with no flights, being able to fly back to the States at that point. So yeah, I I decided to come back as hard as it was.
0: (laughs) Oh my God, I can imagine. I I, First of all, I think, yes, it must have been terrifying. You're in another country. Your family's not there. Nobody at that point really knew, but to be that far away. And like you said, the fear of being like, oh my God, am I going to get stuck here? I totally understand why you were like, okay, I need to just go home. But Mm -hmm. with that being said, did you give up your lease then?
1: Um, They kept it for me. I actually had to keep, I had a lease until early May. So yeah, I had stuff that they were actually able to store for me, which was very nice. I didn't have a lot because, you know, it was just, you know, a temporary basis at that point. So I ended up coming back. And I also was concerned because I had my temporary residency card in process. For Mexico. And I didn't want to come back until I had my residency card completed and had my card in hand. So I was able to do that. And then I came back at the end of March.
0: Well, so you're back in the States. And how long did you stay with your sister before you felt called back to Tulum?
1: Yeah, it was actually longer than I was planning. Um, You know, with things, you know, during COVID, it was just so uncertain as far as when you know travel was going to resume and when it would be a good time to travel again down there. Tulum had a curfew. A lot of Mexico did. So when I was leaving, they had a curfew. You had to be in your home or apartment by 10 p.m. They had police and, you know, basically like a caravan around the whole town to be sure people were inside. So yeah, it was longer than I thought being in the States, um, but I ended up planning on going back in early December and I ended up getting an apartment at the same building, same community. So I went back to start my renewal of my residency because I had to start that process in December. And then I was able to secure another bigger apartment actually in the same complex. So that's when I went back. So it was several months. It was about six months.
0: Wow. And it sounded like to me that the process of getting that residency was not without challenge.
1: What was that like? It was definitely a challenge, especially because I did not speak or write fluent Spanish. So I actually found um, an immigration specialist through some groups that I joined online, um, some local Tulum and Playa del Carmen groups. So she was amazing. She helped me throughout the whole process. And it definitely was a longer process back then. They've definitely made a lot of improvements to it. They have a lot of people actually wanting residency now. So they're definitely busy down there. So I was able to go back in December and start my renewal process. And now when you renew, you can do up to four years. So I did a three-year renewal because after you've been a temporary resident in Mexico for four years, you can renew it and become a permanent resident. Like get your permanent card and then you don't have to renew at that point. So that's my path.
0: When you first told me this story, I was so shocked that you didn't speak Spanish and that you were going through this whole process and moving to Mexico.
1: Right. now, I'm still not um, fluent yet. Work has kind of been a challenge trying to fit in uh, lessons, Spanish lessons. I was taking Spanish lessons through a local school in Tulum kind of put a pause on that, but that's my goal is to get back to that this year. A lot of people actually do speak English in that area. Cancun, Playa del Carmen, Tulum, it's very international, a lot of English speaking people. So I can definitely get by with this little Spanish I do know, but it's, it's easy to go there and actually not speak the language and be able to, you know, have a great experience and trip.
0: I think you bring up a really good point when you say like, okay, you have a full-time job. And so it's not like every day you're sitting at the beach with your feet in the sand drinking a margarita, you know, which when I think people think about moving to a tropical paradise, unless you are fully retired, it's probably not a paradise every day, right?
1: No, definitely not. I mean, it's like I said, it's a different experience when you're living and you're working and you have a day-to-day routine. So I really don't make it to the beach as... Sad as that sounds until really just on the weekends. So, my weekends, I really try to prioritize being at the beach and just enjoy that as much as I can. But again, you know, your weekends are still filled with errands and just stuff that you normally would do back home as well. As you know, I do that during the week too, but sometimes my job is demanding where I'm working very long hours. So I do at least try to get out and get some you know, fresh air and be outside, do a walk, do a bike ride during the week. But yeah, it's just a regular schedule during the week. I do try to meet up with friends for dinner, maybe like one time during the week, but it is just a regular schedule. And living in Mexico is not without challenges either. <laughs>
0: I was literally just going to ask you about that because I lived in Mexico a long time ago, Mm -hmm. like 20 years ago, and I just remember so many challenges. So why don't you talk a little bit about some of those challenges.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely um, different. It's and uh, But I love it because it's so laid back and it's so different from living in a big city. I really honestly never thought I would want to leave a big city. I loved living in Chicago. So this kind of came out of the blue for me, but I just embraced it and just, you know, went for it. And I'm so happy that I did. But yes, the challenges are definitely, you know, getting things done. Let's say you have to have something repaired in your apartment or condo, you know, It's not going to be an immediate thing. Like if someone says, manana, that might be two to three days from now. You know, trying to deal with internet problems. I really have been lucky with that. Um, I haven't had many, but there have been times where my internet has gone down. Um, But the company that I found has been great. They've been pretty responsive in getting it um, back up and running. One other challenge is dealing with hurricane season. Last summer... I was in the States for a couple of months, but I went back in mid-August and experienced my first hurricane the second night I got back and the power went out for the whole day. So I had to take a personal day off of work for that. So hopefully this year it won't be too bad, but yeah, definitely challenges like that.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh, Kristen, I have so many just memories that were frustrating at the time, but now I look back that are so funny. Like I can remember going and getting a massage and coming back. I was visiting my friend at the time in San Luis Potosi and her water was out. And it had been, it was like, okay, you wait, your water's out? She's like, yeah, the water's out. So I was like covered in oil from oh, head no. to toe. And she, I'm like, <laughs> what is it going to get back on? And she's like, I mean, I don't know, maybe in a couple days. And oh. so she had to like go to the gym and take a shower. And I mean, just all the things. And I love your, your idea, like your thought on manana, because oh my gosh, <laughs> The Mexican concept of time, again, it's one of those things that like, I actually have written papers on this. It, I think, is so good for your spirit because you can't rush. You're forced to slow down. You're forced to be in the moment. You're forced to just really live with intention. Mm-hmm. But with an American mindset, that manana or ahorita mm-hmm. can be frustrating, Yeah. Can be Hard to understand, yeah, right? Absolutely,
1: yeah. You definitely have to change your mindset a bit, and I have, and I think it's been a good balance for me because I feel like when I was living in the city, like my stress level was definitely higher. Just being in that environment, my job can be very stressful at times. We're dealing with deadlines, and and um, a lot of things come up. So I think just having that balance, being in Tulum and being in that laid back environment, definitely helps with that. And yeah, I've kind of just embraced. The, the rest of it. Like, you know, it's fine if it's not immediate, you know, as far as like, you know, getting someone out to fix something, you know, I'm kind of come to terms with that. And it's been good.
0: Well, and I think what you said about your stress and the environment, because there is something to be said about what is outside matching what's in your mm-hmm. inside.
1: Yes, absolutely. And
0: When you have a day in and day out stressful life to then go walk into the hustle and bustle of a city, which matches that, like that level of stress and busyness matches what you've been dealing with internally is so different than walking outside where someone is riding bikes and palm trees are swaying. You know, there is something to be said about that balance. And I can absolutely appreciate that.
1: Yeah, I definitely feel more calm being there. It's definitely been really wonderful.
0: I believe it. And so now we've talked about obviously some of the challenge, but what are some of your absolute favorite things about living in Tulum?
1: I mean, just having that water so close, being able to hop on my bike and get to the beach is just such an amazing feeling. And even if I don't make it there, let's say if there's a weekend where the weather isn't ideal or I have a lot going on. Like I said, I try to make it there every weekend. But if I don't, I know it's still there and it's accessible. And there's just so many wonderful things to do in Tulum. It's just being in the middle of the jungle and being in nature is just, you know, so good for the soul. It's it's not something that I ever thought that I would want because I was so used to being in the city. But it's just been amazing. You know, we have so many great cenotes. You can just go to a cenote on an afternoon and have, you know, a wonderful day. If it's really hot, that's a good option to do, you know, during the summer months. There's the ruins, like beautiful architecture. Just being in the jungle like itself is just amazing. There's so many different towns too that are close to Tulum that I've tried to go and explore just very exciting to be able to see different parts of Mexico too.
0: Yeah, and if you are listening and you have not been to Tulum, you need to pause this and Google image it because when Kristen is talking about the water, it's not like the water of the Atlantic Ocean, or you know, Lake Michigan, it is that aqua, clear white sand. It is one of those special beaches, you know, that looks like a screensaver. So, um, you definitely need to Google image it, and you know, even better yet, make a plan for a vacation there, right?
1: Yes, and you know, it's a huge community of health. You know, a lot of health and wellness, a lot of yoga. Um, I was doing Pilates with. A studio there for quite a while. I'm going to go back to that when I get back. Yeah, it's just a, such a great community. There's sound healing. I did that just on a random Wednesday evening because I felt like I just needed something like that. It had been a long time since I've uh, done a session, and it's just so wonderful to have all that right there accessible.
0: I think that's something that Tulum has been really good at, right? Is creating this community that's centered around, you know, whole eating and and wellness, living. Um, And I definitely see that, which is good, because when I lived in Mexico, I gained 25 pounds because I had a lot of enchiladas.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) The food is, I will say the food is, is pretty amazing there. It was actually surprising to see so many different cuisines available. And you know, wonderful restaurants. There's, you know, I'm Italian and there's wonderful Italian restaurants. There's an Italian community, an Italian, you know, gourmet market right in town. So I could still get the things that I love from back home there.
0: Well, and I love what you said too about like, you're not only limited to Tulum because there are so many amazing areas and All around there, all of Mexico, actually. It's such a diverse country. But Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, you know, when they think about Mexico, they think of like a Cabo or a Cancun, and they don't think about all those amazing colonial cities and colonial towns Mm -hmm. that you're actually really fairly close to. So you can have, you know, the jungle and the ocean, and then you can have the couple stone streets and the beautiful colored buildings and everything Mm
1: -hmm. all nearby. Yeah, it is pretty amazing. And, you know, even just taking the bus um, to to different areas within the Yucatan actually is really easy. So it's easy to navigate.
0: Yeah, I know. I really want to encourage people that if you go to Mexico, at least take a couple days to do something local. I think, you know, getting to those colonial cities, you know, like a Merida Mm -hmm. or, you know, places like that, it's just so valuable. And I love, you know, the other day you were talking to me about how your sisters were in another part of Mexico and how you just hopped on the bus and went there. And it brought back so many good memories for me of being on those ADO buses and, you know, they put on the little movie. Mm -hmm. And back in the day, they would give you a little bag with a a soda and a snack, but you said they've gone away with the snacks.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, they they do have someone coming on the bus if it's a longer trip to sell snacks. But yes, it's great. You know, they put on a movie. It's really easy. You know, from Tulum, you could get you know to a lot of different cities and a lot of different areas. So yeah, I, I actually met my sister Lauren and her husband and my nieces in Playa Mujeres and at the end of March. They were there on spring break, and it was wonderful. Such a great experience because I really had never been. Spent any time in Cancun in that area? I've only really spent time in Playa del Carmen and Tulum. Generally, Cancun isn't a place that I've ever actually stayed.
0: Well, that's probably fine, right? <laughs> now that you've experienced a little bit more of an authentic experience in Mexico, it probably would be hard to go back to to Cancun. Although I know, as you know, somebody who has kids, it's a it's an easy spot to go with kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So, you know, one of the things I thought a lot about when I thought about you and your time in Mexico was community. Because even for me, moving from Wisconsin down to South Carolina and leaving my community and my friends and my family is hard. And for you to move by yourself to another country, that community must be, you know, a big part of it for you. So, can you tell me a little bit about how you've Built a community there?
1: Yeah, you know, it's you meet so many people from all over the world there in Tulum. It's a very international destination, but there is a great local community. There's a lot of expats that have moved there, a lot of people from Europe, from South America, from Canada. There's people from all over. And it really is like a great community. There's a group of women that meet during the week, every other week. And I've been able to meet a lot of wonderful people through that. They do also do that for men. They meet and they you know have a community that really supports each other there. And there's even you know a group that meets that are all digital nomads and you know more entrepreneurs and, and people working on their own that can network and do things together and collaborate. So it's it's really great. And then, of course, I've gotten into other communities there, too, which I didn't really discover when I first went down there. Um, you know, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin is a big community that's developed in Tulum and Playa. So that's been really exciting. And I've met a lot of people through that as well.
0: And you told me that group that you the women's group, which I love. I feel like even in the states, it would be great to have something like that that unites mm-hmm. women, you know, to get together. But what was the name of that group again?
1: The Tulum Girl Gang.
0: I love that. I absolutely love that.
1: Yeah, it's great. They meet every other Wednesday evening, and I try to go when I can. So yeah, they the woman that started it, um, Allie. She's built a really great community there. And, you know, we have people that we'll go to Tulum every winter. And then you see the same people that come, you know, year after year, or people that have moved there on a full time basis. I've had friends that I've met, actually, I have a really good friend that I met in Tulum from New York. And, you know, he's been back a couple of times. And we just kind of became pretty close friends through Tulum, which was amazing. He has a friend that had moved there and relocated. So that's how I met them.
0: That's awesome. And I imagine that you also just really had to put yourself out there and be like, I'm going to show up to this thing. I'm not going to know anybody and I'm just going to do it. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not typically that like that as much as maybe other people would be. But, you know, you d- definitely just have to take the leap and put yourself out there. And, you know, once I did, I met some wonderful women. And it's been a great experience. So it's kind of just grown to, you know, the community since I started going. She's grown the group quite a bit. So it's been fun to meet people from all over. And there's some really inspiring women that I've met in the group.
0: That's awesome. And I think that's a good message for anybody who's thinking about doing something new is to just put yourself out there, even if it feels uncomfortable to show up. In fact, next week there was an event. A live event going on. And I taught, you know, kind of tossed and turned about whether I was going to go. And I just decided I'm going to go by myself, even though it feels uncomfortable. And I think that that message that you just shared is really important for anybody. You know, that if you're interested in something, don't let the fact that you don't have anybody to go with you stop you from going after the thing you're interested in, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I started even going to concerts on my own, you know, because I'm really huge into music. Even when I was in Chicago, like, you know, if friends weren't really necessarily into the same band or group, then, you know, I wasn't going to let that stop me from seeing a group that I love. So it's actually, that also helped me, I think, in all of this, (laughs) just putting myself out there and doing stuff solo.
0: I love that because I think a lot of people feel... Paralyzed or like they can't do things that they want to do because they're afraid of being alone. But Mm -hmm. that's awesome. And I know you specifically talked about how you developed this passion for Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And you mentioned briefly that that has been a whole nother door that opened for you in a whole nother community. What has that been like?
1: Yeah, it's been amazing. Um, there's a group that meets every Wednesday in Playa del Carmen and they do a dinner and they have wonderful speakers every other week and then the other weeks are just a solo get together and they have, you know, more than 120 people that attend these meetings. And so I've been really following it and getting into it since last summer and discovered this community there so there's also one in tulum that meets for lunch every wednesday tulum crypto club however i really can't attend those because i'm working usually so when i do have you know a day off on a wednesday i will go they also are having a crypto fest actually in may mid-may when i'm back so i'm gonna go to that yeah i've definitely networked with a lot of people there i just went to the conference the bitcoin conference in miami first week of April, and there were some Tulum people there actually from the community.
0: That's awesome. And I think, again, just such a good message that, you know, if you can find something that you are passionate about, you will find your tribe, you will find other people that are also passionate about it, and you will in turn create a community and friends.
1: Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's been a really exciting experience, like connecting with people in that community as well.
0: I bet. And I just imagine, and you have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I imagine that living in Mexico, living by the beach, it's kept you young.
1: (laughs) Yes, I feel like it has definitely. I mean, I feel amazing when I'm there. You know, I've never been a huge fan of the winter months or the cold weather, even since I was younger. I definitely take after my mom. (laughs) And I just feel like being there in the warm climate, it just really does make me feel young. It makes me more active. I want to, you know, exercise and work out more. I want to eat better when I'm there. It's just being in that environment.
0: I believe it. And you also said that. There's not a lot of women in midlife in this group that you're a part of.
1: I there, there are, but not, you know it's mostly you know 30s, I would say 20s and 30s. There are some women that I've connected with in their 40s. And yeah, it, it's not a huge part of the demographic, but I have met some older people recently that are midlife actually, that I kind of connected with, but it's not the majority of the group.
0: Well, and I have to imagine that when people hear that you're 49, that they're absolutely surprised.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I think it's a shock to some people, (laughs) which I guess is a good thing. My mom never really looked her age. My dad either. Yeah, good
0: jeans, Those good Italian jeans. Yes.
1: (laughs) I guess that's a good thing.
0: Oh, my gosh. Okay, so when you think about this big leap you took, because you really are – on the path less taken, right? Like you've done something super unique. No one else in your family, you know, took this path. When you think about this leap, do you think that being in midlife made it easier or scarier to take that leap?
1: I definitely think it made it easier because I feel like as you get older, you just have more confidence. You're more you know sure of yourself. At least that is for me. That's how I felt, you know, like I've had the confidence to do solo travel. And I think doing all of that has made it less scarier, you know, going on my own and doing these trips, going to like London on my own by myself. And, you know, I, of course, I still like to travel with friends and family and I do, but I think doing a lot of the solo trips have helped me. Not be as scared to take the leap, and yeah, I feel like it. You know, looking back, it, it is like a big deal. <laughs> but now it's—I've been there for a couple of years, and <laughs> you know, I'm so used to being there, so it doesn't really seem like it's that much of a leap. If that makes sense?
0: Yeah. Well, because you—it fits you now. You've done it, and
1: yeah, it, I feel like that's where I'm meant to be for right now. Yeah in my life. And
0: that's a really I mean there's so many good things that you've said, but I think that's a that's a good thing to point out is that you just said right now. You're not saying I'm going to be there for the rest of my life and mm-hmm. I think when people make leaps and make bold decisions to do something that saying to themselves it's right now instead of forever makes it a little bit easier too.
1: Mhm. Yeah, you know, definitely it's hard to be away from my friends and family. I've definitely had a lot of friends that come visit. And, you know, I am back in the States often. So that's been, you know, that's made it easier. It would be hard for me to be away, you know, for a year at a time. I'm coming in for the holidays and, you know, over the summer. So that's definitely made it easier. Yeah, I've never done anything like that before. You know, I, I was always in Illinois. I was always close to my family. So, Making the leap to move to a different country definitely was a big thing at first, but now it just feels like home to me.
0: Well, and I think something that you said too that's really important to grab onto is that you had been practicing for that for a long time. You had been practicing Mm -hmm. going on trips by yourself, you had been building up your self confidence and your ability to step into a room and you know, be the only one doing the thing. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the beauties of midlife, right? Is that self-confidence and I'm going to go for it attitude.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know that I would have done the same thing in my 20s. So I think definitely being in midlife, having that self-confidence and doing what I've done in the past with the solo travel definitely all came into play.
0: Well, I am sure there are women listening that have dreams. And although many women probably do have the dream of packing all their stuff and moving to the beach, a lot of them probably can't do that. But if they are facing a dream that feels a little bit scary, what advice would you give that woman?
1: I would just tell them to, you know, at least try to do something, even if it's not, you know, you're your actual big dream, maybe do something that is, you know, a smaller dream and do that first. And, you know, just kind of like a stepping stone. I think just, you know, planning something out and trying to, uh, you know, work towards what your dream is, is important. Like, you know, having goals and having something to work towards is something that you should do. And don't hesitate to try to do something you really want to do and that you dream about because, you know, at this point, like, I feel like you just need to go for it. And then, you know, like my aspect, basically, when I was looking at this whole thing at the beginning, I could always go back, you know, that was always an option. It wasn't something that I knew that I would love. So, you know, it was just something I wanted to try out and I was able to do it. So I just took that leap and did it. I just think that you have to get over the fear and just do it.
0: I love that. I love that you said, one, that you can always go back, because I think Mm -hmm. that's the thing about taking a leap or a risk is that you can always go back. But also, like you said, if the leap feels too huge, take a step, Mm -hmm. take a step towards it, you know, start moving in that direction. And also, like time, time is our most precious commodity, right? Yeah, absolutely. This is it. Mm -hmm. This is the time.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, Kristen, it was so great having you here today and hearing about your life and your leap and your healing and all the things. I'm so glad you took time from your busy schedule to be here today.
1: Thank you so much, Bree. It's been a wonderful experience. Thank you so much for inviting me and having me. Yay. And friends,
0: I hope that this conversation inspires you to take the path that was meant exactly for you the path that brings you sunshine, even if it is the one less taken. Thank you so much for listening today. And if you can, so kindly recommend the podcast to a friend, give it a rating, or best yet, give it a review. These things will lead more women to find the podcast. And the more women that join this conversation, the fuller it will be. Have a beautiful day.